0: I just noticed while you were up here, this on top of her head, doesn't that look like a fish? (laughs) That's a Christian symbol, right? All right, right. there you go. (laughs) You didn't know she was, did you know she was a composer? He has composed many songs to the scriptures to help her memorize scripture. So, I was thinking while we were praising the Lord and I was thinking Deanna was going to sing this song how many beautiful feet we have in this congregation you know we've not only walked across Africa we've walked across every corner of this world yeah Europe, Asia South America, yeah. all over the place. And it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a humbling thing for me to think I've got something to say to you. But hopefully it's the Lord who will say something to you. <laughs> maybe through me, maybe not. Maybe he'll just add some things through the, his Holy Spirit. I want to pray. Lord, we need your presence. We know that you're here, but we need to know your presence. We need to be aware of what you're doing in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirits. I pray, Lord, that uh, whatever I have to share would fade into the background and that you yourself would communicate with your people today to bring encouragement, strength, and power in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. uh, In it to win it. Maybe that's old, I don't know whether they still have this program or not, you know, but um, I, I, I need to say that I'm not using it like they do on American Idol, because I don't wish any of you to win in the contest to be an American Idol. Yeah. Um, we got enough idols in our country without uh, adding some more, uh, although we enjoyed the show many, many times, uh, but I, I've changed the meaning of it for us here. The meaning of it changes when you think of it not as a contest, but as the world we live in. We're not in it to win. That's not our purpose here, to win or to uh, succeed, although that's, that's a nice thing if that happens along the way. We are in it to win it, and that's the reason we're still here. And I know you're in it to win it, too, because you're still here. Now, um, on, on Friday, I tried to uh, uh, look at some of the contrast between being in it to win it and being in it to win. Um, so I, I came up with my own translation. Now, I need to clarify this. I don't just change translations and put my own up there for any reason. What I, I whatever, whenever I make a change... It's because I've looked at the Greek, I've looked at the context, and I feel like I'm putting something better up there than what I could find in the, tra- in the translations. Not to say that the translations are bad, but translations are limited. So uh, I want to bring out some things that maybe our translators didn't want to bring out in this text wi- with my translation. So anyway, let's uh, read this together. I hope I made it big enough for you. Friday it wasn't big enough for anybody to read. Uh, hopefully it's big enough today. On one occasion while he was eating with them, this is Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father, my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is where I've changed the NIV here. So after they had gathered around him, they began asking him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Praise the Lord. Let me just briefly go through the logic of this text, the flow of thought. Jesus is in his last moments with his disciples, and he wants to give them a final command. I know the Great Commission is the final command in, uh, um, in Matthew, but this is another form of the Great Commission that we have in this text. He gave them the command to wait, to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, and he explained it and says, Now the promise of the Father, because John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the disciples probably did not understand that, what Jesus meant by that. It would appear that they understood it to be Jesus was going to establish his kingdom on earth. He was going to set up the kingdom like it was promised in the Old Testament, where the enemies of Israel would be destroyed, and he would establish his throne and kingdom in Jerusalem. This is probably what they understood here. And so they asked, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were hoping to cash in. They had been following Jesus. They were on the winning team. He's the Messiah. He's the one that's going to do this. And uh, if not only that, but he told them, you know, you've... you've, uh, Uh, They said, we've left everything to follow you. He said, well, if you have, you know, you're going to get lots in this world, lots of benefits in this world, and the world to come, eternal life. Jesus said, even told them, when he comes into his kingdom, you're going to be sitting on 12 thrones, governing this new kingdom of Israel. So I imagine they're pretty excited when Jesus said, in a few days, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what they're waiting for, the Holy Spirit to empower them to conquer all these enemies, and establish the kingdom on earth. And Jesus says, um, you got it all wrong. Sure, that's going to happen, but that the Father knows when that's going to happen. That's not what we're talking about right now. What we're talking about right now is what Jesus wants to do in the in the here and now, and that is to spread his word across the nations. So, um, the disciples were ready to enjoy the blessings of the kingdom. But Jesus wanted them to spread the good news of the kingdom. God promises one day to do what uh, John the Baptist was thinking about, what the disciples were thinking about, but this is not that time. That will be in the future. That was something no one understood before Jesus explained it to them. Jesus also, um, we find out the disciples were in this world to win, to succeed. Uh, that's another slide. Okay. The disciples were in this world to win it, to win for them, to succeed. They were hoping, you know, Jesus, all their hopes were in Jesus. And, but Jesus, um, and, and that's, that's not all bad. You know, they, they were not just hoping to be blessed themselves, but it, when he ushered in the kingdom, that would be a time of prosperity, a time of uh, a peace, uh, a time of, uh, you know, they, they, were in, they were being occupied. They were the occupied nation. And they were hoping to have freedom and peace and, and joy at, for the whole kingdom, not just for themselves. And, uh, you know, those are great things. But it wasn't Jesus' priority for the moment. The disciples were in the world to win, to succeed. Jesus explained to them that it was not the time to win the world, but they were in the world to win it for Jesus. They were in it to win it. Jesus wanted them to witness to the world and win it for him. So I kind of talked about the possibilities and maybe some things that may be distracting us in this time uh, for winning the world for Jesus. Other things that are good, things that the disciples wanted and we want today that are, are good and they're not bad things, but sometimes they become distractions that keep us from our primary objective, which is to win the world for Jesus. So Friday I talked about that. I'm not going to talk about that anymore today. Uh, I wanted to talk about us being in the world to win it and how we can do that. So in this text, uh, we have we have that as well. It tells us how we're going to do it, and the uh, in the book of it, it doesn't really teach us how. Luke uh, is not trying to teach us how to do it. He's just describing how they did it in the early church, how the early church began to win the world for Jesus, and it went from uh, 120 in the upper room uh, after Jesus had worked on the earth for. Three years, they had 120 gathered. By the end of the day of Pentecost, they had 3,000. A few, a little bit later, they had 5,000. I can't, I don't even know how many they had later. I've never studied church history. I've I've heard people talk about it, but I haven't memorized it. Paul could probably tell me. But uh, anyway, um, they were winning the world for Jesus. So I think it's probably a good idea to look at how they did it and we can learn from them. Uh, We must discern from the story the things we might be able to apply to our own lives, our own church, as to how we can win this world for Jesus. All right, I came up with four themes. Did I miss a... Let's move that forward again. All right. No, sorry. All right. Go back. I, th- I should just trust my wife. You know, she's, she's back there doing this for me. She knows me, and, and I'm, I'm not seeing it that well. In fact, she could probably get up here and preach this. Um, the first thing that's important, one of the themes, and all these themes are intertwined in the book of Acts. Sometimes we want to talk about one or another of the themes, and we might uh, miss the point. We need to know that these themes go together in the early church to produce the results that we found in the early church. The first one, and I think many of you are aware of this, is prayer. Uh, the book of Acts is filled with prayers, and filled with prayers that are effective. And it's not just any kind of prayers, they're prayers in unity. You might say that's two, two themes while well, I put them together because I only wanted four themes. Um, but prayer precedes every work of the Spirit. Every power of the Spirit is preceded by prayer, and you see this in the book of Acts, and it starts right at the beginning. A few verses after uh, Jesus goes up in the ascension, goes up into heaven, we have the the disciples pray. Jesus taught his disciples to persevere in prayer. In, In Luke, we find that in chapter 11. And here they are again praying in one accord. Now, this is another verse that is variously translated. Uh, Sometimes they just say they continued praying instead of saying they persevered in prayer. Sometimes they don't say, they just, uh, the idea, they were together praying instead of saying in one accord, with one heart, with one mind. But uh, both of these words um, are used in the text of Luke and Acts and used with this concept in mind. Per- persevering in prayer, not just praying one time, but continuing. And the, uh, the other one is uh and that is used consistently to talk about the unity. So each time they pray, and there's something that happens. Uh, but you find that they were praying before the day of Pentecost. That, that prayer meeting probably lasted about ten days because they were with Jesus for 40 days, and it says they're praying. They were praying uh, before, let's see, they had a home meeting after this. There was a, a, a healing. Uh, Peter and John were there. They preached the word. They were, they were uh, taken aside and said, don't do this anymore. And they went and had a prayer meeting. And in this prayer meeting, they were again praying that God would empower them to preach the word of God boldly by stretching out his hand and doing mighty signs and miracles. And that happened. we got the episode in Cornelia's home. Now, you got a whole bunch of people praying in that one. You've got Cornelia, who was probably a God-fearer, but not yet a converted believer. And he was praying, and God spoke to him in a vision. God spoke to him and said, go look for Peter, and here's where you're going to find him. Before he gets there, Peter is up on the roof praying, and God sends him a vision, repeats it three times. And God tells him, now you're going to go, there's people coming, and you're going to go with them. And lo and behold, they're Gentiles, people he does not usually associate with. And then they get there, and all of a sudden, God does a miracle again, and they are empowered in Cornelius' home, and Peter says, wow, how can I not baptize these people? Look at way the way God has poured out his spirit on them. And then you have uh, the church. The whole church was praying. The elders were praying, and they said, Send out Barnabas and Paul, or Saul and Barnabas at the time. Paul they, He started out with Saul and ended up with the name Paul. Saul is his Hebrew name. Paul is the, uh, is the Greek, uh, Greek name for him. So they said, Send them out. So we have the greatest missionary movement of, of that, that age that was started through prayer. Again, uh, they had the prayer, uh, Philip went to Samaria, began to preach the gospel, and, and people were turning to Christ, And but they didn't see the same type of powerful manifestations of the Spirit there, and so they, just, they thought, well, maybe, you know, they haven't received, how is it they believe, but they haven't received the Spirit? I personally think they probably had received the Spirit, but they didn't know it yet. Because their idea of the Spirit was, when the Spirit comes, He does something fabulous. He does something that everybody can see and you know that the Spirit is coming upon them. Well, that hadn't happened yet, and so Peter and John had come down, and what did they do? They prayed for Him. And something happened. We don't know what it was because uh, Luke doesn't tell us about it. But you have all these things that happen after prayer or during prayer. The second point is... uh, the one I've talked on here before, and that's a prophetic anointing with the Spirit, followed by powerful manifestations. Prophetic anointing of the Spirit. Uh, Luke uses all kinds of synonyms to speak about that. We already saw one of those, and when Jesus said the promise of the Father, we saw another one when he said you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Another one was, the Holy Spirit will come up. You will. Receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Another one is Peter, who calls out and says, uh, God will, um, he, he quotes Joel. And Joel says, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. He also talks about receiving the gift of the Spirit in the same passage. All of these are synonyms to talk about this experience of prophetic anointing. That is, the Spirit becomes comes upon them and enables them to do prophetic acts. Speaking with boldness, signs and wonders, healing, uh, visions, dreams, um, spiritual guidance. These are all happening all throughout the book of Acts. And, Time after time, they're showing different groups of people who were powerfully anointed and began to do manifestations. This is all important for Luke. Luke is trying to show that this movement is a movement of God. Because they had they had oppositions. The Jews were saying, no, it's not. This is not a movement of God. This is blasphemous. And so the all of these powerful movements... Luke is telling us about to show us that what is happening, it's God doing this because the Holy Spirit manifests himself. Third thing, proclamation with boldness. This is the biggest and most often cited uh, gift of the Spirit given to this pe- people with these prof- prophetic anointing proclamation with boldness. Okay, I'd like to stop with those three and maybe give a few examples as well. I've got an example. Uh, you know, I, I I told on Friday that I don't have that many examples in my life and I, I, I often uh, lament the fact that I can't give too many examples in my life of how the prophetic anointing of God in my ministry has enabled me to do signs and wonders. I think, You know, come on, God. You know, I teach this. I I should have these, but He hasn't seen fit to give me too many of those. And so, I don't want to keep repeating the same ones to congregations who've already heard me speak. So, I'm taking one from the Alliance Life. That's a magazine put out by the Christian Missionary Alliance. It's free and it's excellent. So, if uh, any of you would like to, you could. This this particular issue has numerous uh, stories that are just fantastic. And I'm not going to read the story. I'm going to tell it, but it's entitled "Do You Want to See a Miracle?" Anyway, there's a one of our colleagues that we've never met working in the Balkans. Now it must be one of the Balkan countries that it, you don't want to tell the name, or they or they would tell us. Uh, but it would be dangerous to tell the name. But uh, the name of this person is Di, not Diana Di, and. Uh, in 2020, guess, guess what she got? COVID. And double pneumonia. So she was hospitalized in this Balkan country. Now, you guys, many of you have been to hospitals in other countries, and they're not like hospitals in our country. So, you know, COVID patients here, what do they do with them? Isolate them. Nobody was around. Well, in most countries, you cannot isolate the patient because they would get no care and they would get nothing to eat Uh, because it's the family that comes in and provides all that. You know, they wash the body, they give them food, they take care of them. If they need a cold compress on the head, they'll do that. That's all the family. There's no CNAs to do the work. So uh, she was there in this uh, in this hospital, and the beds are jammed in there in the same room. They're not isolated each from the other either because they only have just a limited space. And uh, so close together, could one could reach over and touch the person in the next bed. Well, Di was there, and she could barely speak with this double pneumonia and uh, and COVID. And all of a sudden, there's... Two beds over, they just start wailing, crying, and wailing. The, the person, their, 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 their relative there had died. And was, uh, so they're just screaming and crying and everything. And one of the sons gets out a handkerchief or a cloth and puts it over her face of this lady who had died. Well, Di was laying there, and she, she got this idea that God wanted her to pray for, to pray for this lady who had just died. Well, she worked up the courage, and she said to to the family there, "Ask permission, would you like me to pray for her? Well, I don't know if, you know, I'm there, I'm thinking you're crazy, but yeah, sure, why not? Go ahead. So she prayed for her. In the name of Jesus. And the lady sat up and started talking. Would you think of praying for somebody like that? I tell you, it's hard. I've never done it. But if I'm there when someone dies, or I'm there and someone is extremely ill or having problems, I, I say a quiet prayer to the Lord very quiet, inaudible. Lord, do you want me to pray for this person? Because I don't want to be the one that limited God. And I'm sure I have been the one that limited God. But I don't want to be that person. I want to give God a chance to at least speak to me. So if I'm there, I pray, Lord, you don't want me to pray for you, do you? (laughs) You know, I'd probably say it like that instead of say, "Lord, do you want me to pray for him?" Uh, you know he, he would have to make it very clear for me for me to do that. But this woman had the courage, felt God speaking to her, and then God acted. That sounds like the book of Acts to me. Uh, how many times have we missed? Because we are just in our normal mode of thinking, someone dies okay, that's sad, we need to comfort the family and I would be so scared to pray for someone like that because I don't want to give false hope they they're in enough pain as it is, and I you know if they think I might be able to do something, you know I'm just uh, prolonging the uh, the agony, but if God wants to do something, he needs to have people around that are listening. Well, needs be a little bit strong. God can do whatever he wants. But usually, he works through his people living here and, tells, you know, and instructs them by his Spirit to do something. To, for that, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we need to walk in that anointing. It's not something you can just have an experience one day and all of a sudden you're able to do that the rest of your life. We have to be able to continue praying, continue asking God, and on a day-by-day basis walk with God. I'm not saying I do this all the time. God reminds me from time to time. But we need to walk with God and be in communication with Him. And when we see a need, we pray and ask God, Do you want me to do something about that need? Like I say, it's happened to me a few times in my life that he he got through to me. Uh, Probably not enough times. I'll give you another example that's a little less miraculous, but it's actually an example in my life, so we'll go for this one too. Uh, our, Our pastor in Georgia gave us this idea, and I thought it was a good one, he said when he goes to a restaurant and they come and take his order and they bring the food, he's, uh, he says, you know, well, we uh, normally pray for our food when, when before we eat. Would you like us to pray for you about anything? Do you have a need in your life and you'd like us to pray for that? Well, I thought that was a great idea. So the next time I go to a restaurant there, bring me my food, and there's this girl and her name's um, Fatima. I'm used to pronouncing Fatima, but she pronounced her name Fatima. And um, she was there, and she was all smiling and everything and uh, bringing us our food. And I asked her, now, we usually pray before we eat. Would you like us to pray for you? Do you have a need in your life that you'd like us to pray about? And so she said, well, my mother is really sick, and I'm worried she's not going to make it. Can you pray for my mother? And so uh, we did, and we prayed, and and she was so busy, she went off and so forth. And, uh, we decided to go back there next week uh, to to see what, what was happening. So we go back to the restaurant the next week, and somebody had broken into the restaurant and stolen some stuff, and so it was, we got there, and it was all taped off with the yellow tape and everything, but the uh, waitresses and the, you don't say that anymore, do you? You say servers? Right, I I don't know, but um, anyway, they were outside, and I saw Fatima there, and, and so I I asked her. I said, Fatima, how's your mother? And she said she's doing real well. She and she started crying. Uh, that uh, you know, she just uh, you know, I can't believe you did you prayed for her and she's better. Well. Um, you know, if I was a good evangelist like my son, I would have led her to the Lord right then. But she started crying and walked off, and I didn't have the courage to go after her. And so um, I, I didn't do anything. Well, we came back a week later. You'd think we'd go out to a restaurant every week, but yeah. For, on a date night. Applebee's, no, that's a song. Um, So we went back the next week, and I asked the same question. I said, how's your mother doing? She's saying, she's doing so well. Would you stop praying for her? She's annoying me. (laughs) And I still didn't lead her to the Lord. She was so busy. I didn't have time to talk to her. Haven't seen her since. She uh, stopped. She got another job. So I I didn't know where she went. So it's still an example of God working. Uh, it's a good example because it shows you I'm human just like you are. I didn't. I, if it had been Chuck Fair, he would have let her to the Lord. Because he never he told me he never stayed fif- more than 15 minutes with a person without sharing the gospel. Anyway, this this uh, you can pray for Fatima that somebody will have be smarter than I was and more courageous than I am will bring her to the Lord. And I think there's that that happens a lot. You know, uh, a lot of people will, they'll have quite a few incidents before they turn to the Lord. Okay, those are just a couple of examples. Um, But we just, we need to be aware of God's spirit in our lives and how he wants to communicate with us so that we can respond to people's needs. Uh, In in Africa, we had a lot of people going door to door. Here, that works a little less well. It must work, or the... uh, Jehovah's Witnesses wouldn't do it. But it doesn't work as well. Uh, But in Africa, you know, you can go up to people's house. They're glad to talk with you and so forth. And our students there began uh, sharing. And I said, when you go, don't just tell them the gospel. Ask them if they have any prayer needs. And pray for them right there to see if God will do something to prove his word. To prove that he's there, he's present, he's, he's active. And, and so they did, and, and they, saw, they saw some miracles. Um, a lot of times we get discouraged from doing this. You know why? Most of our prayers are for ourselves and for the, our other loved ones, right? And uh, if you get older, you start having more opportunities to pray. For healing, is that right? <laughs> but you know, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Uh, the, even Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, had to die again. So this is inevitable. We're go- one day we're going to get sick and die. But in the meantime, God wants to use us in this world. So I I wanted to talk a little bit about frequency in this. In the Acts of the Apostles, when you read it, it just looks like everyone they prayed for all over the place, people came in crowds, and they all got healed. I don't really think it was that way. I think that there were times in the Acts when everyone was there, got prayed for, and got healed. Those are what I call times of revival. Revival. And just as the same in the church today, when there's times of revival, that that happens. And we need those revivals. And those revivals are happening in the world. There are places where that is happening, where you're not seeing it, because it's off some corner of the world. A lot of times it's happening in places uh, where there's huge persecution. That's going to be the fourth theme. And persecution purifies the church and makes us listen to God more, too. So um, it's happening in the world today. But even when we're not having revival, God is still at work. And God doesn't have to do a miracle to be at work. You know, if you get healed through a doctor, who gave that doctor the wisdom to do that? You know, who gave you the body? that heals itself. This body that we have, I mean, basically what the doctor does is help, is help your body heal itself. No doctor, doctors don't know how to heal you. They just know how to get rid of all the bad things that are in your body that are trying to kill you and encourage the good things in your body to heal you. So all of this comes from God. But if we're wanting to win the world from Jesus, that happens for everybody else too. But, Miracles through prayer usually only happen through us as the Spirit leads us. And those are the impactful things in our lives that will enable us to be better witnesses. I don't expect it to happen all the time. But in a congregation this size, you should hear about it from time to time. If we're walking with the Lord and listening to Him, you should hear about it from time to time about these things where God moves, and it impacts people, and I'm sure you do. Uh, I came to the Lord for a, a miracle of healing uh, many, many years ago. That's you know that's where you get all this white hair and stuff, uh, is from being around for a few few years. And many, many years ago, uh, Rob Mitchell, a good friend of mine who still lives, he lives uh, close to Tulsa now, um, was healed of asthma and emphysema instantly, and I came to Jesus through that. Now. Uh, If I were to ask you, I won't do it. I bet you I could find a lot of people in this room who a a miracle helped them come to Christ. If we want to see that more often, though, we need to be in prayer. We need to be asking God to continue to guide us. And I think we will see more of it the more we're aware that this needs to be done. Let me... Um, go on to the next one. Persecution and sacrifice. Looks like we're not on that. Persecution and sacrifice. Now, Luke talks about persecution. He doesn't talk about sacrifice. But sacrifice is all the way through it. Uh, persecution, you know what that is. We don't know much of it. Uh, we are, have very little persecution in our lives. Uh, Mainly that was because we're in a nation that basically had the same values as us. But right now those values are changing. And there we get little hints of persecution every now and then. Uh, that's, uh, that's nothing. Huh? We're all worried about it. Uh, but you uh, ain't seen nothing yet. If, if we don't have revival in uh, the United States, that, w- that will continue. That will grow. And uh, maybe that's what we need to wake us up, I don't know, Uh, is a little persecution. But um, I don't want to talk too much about that. I think the speaker you had last week probably talked about that very well. So I'm going to talk about the other that Luke doesn't talk about, but which is clear from the examples in the book of Acts, and especially in the book of Luke, and that is sacrifice. We all make sacrifices to serve the Lord. It, if we don't, we haven't learned what it is to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me daily. And he gave a whole lot of examples. Uh, you look at, you know, Paul, for instance, he did all these travels and everything. If you read the book of Acts... It looks like, oh, yeah, he was on the cruise and he stopped off in this port and preached the gospel and then he went on another cruise and so forth. But then you go read in some of his epistles and find out he was shipwrecked several times, he was beaten, he was, you know, you get a whole lot more details about the sacrifices that Paul made to bring the gospel. And various peoples in Acts, if you kind of try to look behind the story, you'll see some of the sacrifices that they made so that the gospel could be spread among the nations. You guys make sacrifices, I know. Uh, You've supported us for 45 years, and you didn't do that without sacrifice. And not only us, but many others. And and a large percentage of people concerning how, uh, I'm not going to say how small you are, that sounds kind of negative, Concerning the ratio of the number of people you support and the number of people who are sitting in this room. It is, it is a big number. So I know you make lots of sacrifices to support the gospel. But we also need to listen to the Lord. Other sacrifices, uh, uh, you know, maybe you didn't go, but your children went. You didn't realize, maybe you did realize right away that that was a sacrifice. Maybe you didn't. I'm starting to realize that you know our children went with us overseas. They were born overseas, and now we're back in the states. And guess where they're at? Overseas. Two of our kids are overseas. The other was there, and she came back because of health reasons. But it cost me a lot of money to go visit my grandchildren. (laughs) Uh, You know, there are there are sacrifices that we are all called to make. And sometimes we need to do that intentionally. You know, we don't, oftentimes we'll look at it and say, oh, God wouldn't want me to do that. That'd be too hard. And yet, if we need to realize, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Not only does he want you to do it, he wants you to rejoice in it. Because believe me, those kind of sacrifices bring you lots of joy. So we have these, these four themes um, uh, in the book of Acts, prayer with, with unity, prophetic anointing leading to powerful manifestations, proclamation with, with boldness, and persecution and sacrifice. These, these all go together. I, I, I find it difficult to talk about one without talking about the others. And often we want to emphasize one and leave out the others. And I'm probably leaving out some myself by just giving you four. Uh, it's it's a lifestyle. A lifestyle that we need to develop to win this world for Jesus. And and oftentimes it's, it's, we forget about it. So I'm trying to remind you. Okay, I found a verse or some verses that put all four things together. And that's what you have up on the screen right now. And now, Lord, this is their prayer. This is in chapter 4 of Acts. And this is the prayer after they've seen uh, more than 5,000 people come to the Lord, but they've been put in prison for it. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. There's the persecution. And help your servants to proclaim your message with fearlessness. Proclamation. By stretching out your hand. That's why I'm Doing the New Jerusalem Bible it it uses here it's talking about a means the means of doing this proclaiming with all fearlessness by stretching out your hand to heal and to work miracles and marvels there I didn't change the signs and wonders or I would have had to put RHV because I didn't find a, a, a passage that said by stretching out your hand and signs and wonders but am I being confusing so this is, this is the New Jerusalem Bible. Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So the signs and the wonders, the miraculous uh, manifestations of the Spirit that, that accompany the proclamation of the Word and sometimes motivates the proclamation of the Word. Peter got up and preached after the miracle. Peter and John started preaching after the miracle. Uh, Often that becomes the motivation. As they prayed, there you go, there's the other, and this, the whole thing is a prayer. The house where they were assembled rocked or or shook. From this time they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there's the prophetic anointing, and began to proclaim the word of God fearlessly. So these four themes are all there. So that's kind of a verse I like to take for us to pray together. All right, I'm going to try to finish up real quickly here. Um, how does a church like TCF encourage and develop a missionary mindset to support missions and send out its own missionaries? You guys are thinking about that all the time, right? Yeah. All right, TCF has obviously done this for years. And we are grateful beneficiaries of you doing that. Um, But how can we continue? All right, so I've come up with uh, four things from gleaning from these four principles in Acts, four things that a New Testament missionary sending church needs. Okay. First thing it needs, it needs to be united in prayer for God's mission on earth. I'm just taking these from the four things I got out of Acts. We need to be a church who prays to God about the world's needs and hears from God about how he wants us to use us in this endeavor. So it's kind of twofold. You're praying for others and you're praying for yourselves to know what God wants you to do. We should expect to hear from God, to know His calling on our own lives, and to hear Him directing us in ministry on a continuous basis. Number two, a New Testament missionary sending church needs, needs to experience prophetic anointing resulting in powerful manifestations of the Spirit. Now, most, most of the examples I know are associated with proclamation. God seems to want to heal a lot more non-believers than, than believers, although he heals us too. Um, but from my experience in Acts and in my own life, that seems to be the case. But so we say, well, you know, if we don't see that so much here, when they go to the mission field, they're going to see it. The problem is they need to see it here to expect it there. Does it make sense to you? Uh, otherwise, you just think, well, we got to. And, and I don't even know how much happens here. You know, I just um This is kind of the message I, I do a lot. So if you, you have me speak, you know, it just kind of comes back. So, because this has been my life. And uh, the third one a New Testament missionary sending church, emboldened by how God is responding to her prayers with manifestations of his power should be proclaiming the gospel fearlessly. That seems pretty clear. And finally, a New Testament missionary, Cindy Church, needs to prepare its members for persecution and sacrifice. All right, I I wanted to give an illustration uh, for sacrifice, because that sacrifice sounds negative, doesn't it? Right? That sounds pretty negative. So I wanted to give an illustration. We live in Stone Mountain, and it's got that name because there's a stone mountain there, and we like to climb it. And uh, about three or four times a week, we go to the Stone Mountain Park, and one day we'll climb it, and the next day we'll walk around it. It's not that big, it's uh, elevation. It goes up about uh, 700 feet in elevation over one mile. So we'll climb one mile up and come one mile down. Now, we, we try to do it quickly. We try to go that mile in about 20 minutes. It's pretty easy to walk a mile in 20 minutes if you're flat. But if you're uh, going to rise 700 feet, that's, that gets your heart pumping. Not only that, your legs start aching a bit. Uh, if, if you're in as bad a shape as I am. Uh, you know, I have these trips to Oklahoma where they bless me with all kinds of food. Uh, and somebody said it was a blessing to my stomach. Uh, my stomach gets more blessed when I do that it's, I really think it's a blessing to my palate and not so much to my stomach uh, unless you, blessing con, is considered to be uh, in, increasing in size um, uh, but we like to do that but I, when you're going up the mountain at this pace you know, you're thinking why am I doing this you know that my eggs lake, I can barely breathe, I'm just <gasps> you know, and then you get to the top. this is a, this picture is from the top of the mountain on uh early in the morning uh, when we got there. We, you can look out and you can see all the way around the mountain, and it's worth it, yeah, at least to me, to get this kind of a view it's just it just does something for my soul uh, you know it, it just to get there and think, I did this. I climb this mountain, and look what I can see. And not only that, I'm healthier because of it. And maybe I'll be able to continue to do it for the next 10 years if I keep doing it. Um, So there's so much benefits that I get from that that the pain and suffering of do it just doesn't seem like anything. It's not important. I just enjoy it. I love it. And that's how we should enjoy making sacrifices for the lord it should just thrill us when we make sacrifices for the lord when we see what the lord does with that i'm going to end with that thank you for your attention i don't know are you going to lead us in prayer or what what should we do here well, i think we're going to pray for you well then i'm going to pray for you after or first Jesus, I want to pray for my family. Thank you, Lord, for letting me grow up in this family and go out from this family. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them. Bless them with power from your spirit. Help Lord, to hear you on a daily basis. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Grant that we might be able to hear you and have the courage to pray for the dead, to have the courage to step out and, and say a word in time to, to know that appointed moment when we have something that we can do or say to make a difference in somebody else's life. I pray for the elders, Lord, as they lead this church. Give them wisdom and strength and health. Help them, Lord, to uh, know how to go forward with you and to lead this church and lead this people that they might be able to be one in heart and spirit and mind praying for this world praying for the missionaries they've sent out and they continue to support and sacrifice. I pray that you bless them with finances so that they would have more than enough to continue sending out the ones they've sent and send out more. I pray, Lord, that you would meet all their needs. And Lord, I I see people, families that are suffering from sickness and Sometimes I think I ought to pray. Sometimes I, th- I know I don't have the faith. But, Lord, I pray that you would meet those needs, that you would reach into these families and bring power. Uh, some of these people who are suffering from various illnesses that they say are incurable, but nothing is incurable for you. That We know to live is Christ and to die is gain, and we don't fear that. But, Lord, I just pray that you would bless this congregation With your presence today, that your spirit would indwell them, empower them, strengthen them, encourage them in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Lord we just thank you for our brother and sister and their ongoing faithfulness. And Lord we pray for them even what they seek to see occur with us a fresh anointing, you, Lord God. manifestation of the presence of God, Lord God as we speak, as we move, as we attempt to do what you've called us to oh, Lord do. God. In whatever sphere of influence we have, Uh, We ask you, Lord, for provision for our brother and sister. We ask you for good health and strength and, again, for guidance by your Spirit. We thank you so much for them. We receive the word that they have given. Uh, Lord, help us to walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: amen. Father, we still pray also that you will continue to bless Randy and Deanna, we are amazed that uh, 45 years has gone by and uh, they are continuing to be strong climbing mountains Mm. like Caleb. Give me this mountain that I can conquer it. And Father, we don't know uh, the future, but we know that your word promises that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter until that day. So we continue to pray for continued excellent health We continue to pray for the leading of your Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. for uh, Randy and Diana. We pray for their children Mm -hmm. and their grandchildren. We pray that they will powerfully continue to move as your missionaries in Africa and in the United States and everywhere you lead Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And so, Father, we pray that even as we lay hands on our brother and Mm -hmm. sister, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is obviously on them will continue to increase and that in the days and years uh, that they have to serve you that uh, you will use them even in a more uh, powerful way and we thank you for the gift of their coming to be with us these days and again we pray you richly bless them in the strong and mighty name of jesus Amen. amen amen Thank you so much.